Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pod save the Queen! Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the Queen. There are three of us in this podcast today and a special guest as well. So I'm your host, Anne Gripper. Welcome back to Royal Editor Russell Myers. Nice to see you, Russell. Hello. And welcome back to Zoe Forsey, online lifestyle editor at The Mirror. Um, and it's clearly been a long time since we had her on because when she joined the call, she said, blimey, Russell, your hair's big. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think we can all agree with. So Zoe, it's very nice to have you back. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, and sorry, Russell, that was potentially slightly rude, but it is, no. it is looking very impressive. Thank you. I'm getting very it's used maybe to it a polite now, way so, to yeah. say. <laughs> yeah. Well, Charlotte Jane Henry on Instagram says, love your, co- your podcast and you look gorgeous. Thank you, Charlotte. And thanks to everybody else who made nice comments about my ascot dress. It's definitely a way to make a girl feel good. So thank you for that. Russell is looking less like Michael Bublé the longer the hair gets. Smiley face. I don't know whether this is a good thing or a bad thing. I'll take that. Well, I take I take the fact that I may have looked like him at one point. (laughs) Probably don't now, which is you know, which is quite tragic. Anyway, she says you're finally in her good books for recognising Sophie Wessex for the brilliant work that she does. So, well, here, here, yes. No, I think we've had a lot of uh, comments about that Um, on you know whether it's via the pod or on Twitter. Lots of people are waiting to see more coverage of Sophie's work, which is uh, which has been you know getting getting a lot more a uh, lot more of a show in hasn't it it has although i don't think we're going to be talking too much about her this week because we've got a lot of other things to talk about it will be very much worth checking out our instagram picture from this week as zoe has accidentally come as the logo <laughs> excellent work yeah so, i so- caught with the t-shirt but it wasn't until russell just pointed out the headband looking a bit like the crown that i realized i'd gone i'd gone full on well, Sorry. no, no, this is excellent work. So, pictures on Instagram and the and the Twitter and everywhere, the Royals sharing pictures again. We've had some more lovely new pictures for Father's Day and William's birthday. So there's that really nice picture of William with his dad and the picture with the kids as well for Father's Day. And I don't know, the, just the whole the whole lot is thoroughly lovely. We have been spoilt, haven't we? Uh, you know, a selection of pictures of the Cambridges, um, William and the children looking very, very relaxed at uh, in Sandringham. I mean, 
it's yeah, it's been it's been great, and Kate's been doing a lot more of them over the last few months, and and it seems that this this is part of the the norm of royal life now. That when there's sort of a big moment, be it a birthday or anniversary type uh, event, that she she'll get behind the camera. And you know, speaking to our good good friend Ian Vogler, as I do uh, regularly, checking in on him throughout the lockdown, um, he was pre- pretty impressed with them as well. He said that they were some of Kate's best shots. Uh, so she's obviously getting better and better. She's she's particularly modest whenever she's asked about her uh, photography exploits. But um, yeah, they are they are getting they are improving. And I think everyone loves seeing them. They they drip fed a couple of them out. Then they did the, in sort of the day later they put another image of the set, didn't they? Zoe? they Extra put, pile um, on. Yeah, there was yeah, a third one. Proper proper bundle one, wasn't it? Like which is really nice. I think that was my favourite one actually. It was lovely. I think yeah, everyone's got a great. different word for that. Is it a pylon? Is it a, a pylon, bundle? Bundle. It's what we normally do in school lockers. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say bundle just is like school field, like the first time you allow <laughs> back on the sun like in summer and everyone just used to run, didn't they? So, so anything... we were very spoiled, very spoiled. So is there anything that caught your eye in the um in the pictures in particular? Oh, I really loved well, Charlotte's uh, dungarees I thought were gorgeous they're so cute with the little um, they had the uh, animals on didn't they there was the flamingo and the um, zebra which was really lovely um, and also they're sitting on the swing which is featured in a few of the pictures I think it was one of George's birthday photos from a few years ago now that they were sitting on the swing which was actually a wedding present to Kate and William um, and it's engraved with the date of their wedding in so it's really nice. I love it when they do pictures. Like I said, we've seen a few over the years. Um, I just think it's really special that it's got um, it's got William and Catherine engraved on it. And I just think it's really lovely to have that, you know, oh. to see their growing family on this swing. Um, it must be really sweet. It must be some seriously constructed swing work as well to have. I mean, I know the kids are still relatively small, but still all the yeah. same to have William <laughs> plus all the three children on there. I was just like, oh, what is that held up by? And then, yes, then- very true. <laughs> I think people have been commenting on um, Princess Charlotte as well, being that people are always looking for who, who's the spitting image of who and all this kind of thing. And um, so is it the Queen or is it, is it, um, is it Catherine and, and different things? So that's always fun. But I think, I think actually it was the picture of William and Charles that I thought was particularly, I don't know, interesting or different. I guess we're kind of used to seeing the pictures with the children and that picture of William and his Dad, I thought it showed their relationship in actually quite a different light to what we normally see. Yeah, that's yeah, really lovely. Was, do you know what it reminded me of? What was that engagement? I think it was at the, the one of the, uh, the military base for, for injured um, service personnel that uh, Charles, Camilla, um, William and Kate went to sort of maybe around the middle of last year. And they had this particular closeness where they were shooting hoops while sitting in a wheelchair in the in the in the gym, and there was a lot made uh, a lot made of sort of the closeness of Charles and William's relationship, and how you don't really see that that softer side to them, especially Charles and William. And and this photograph encapsulated all of that. And and I think you know, reading between the lines and and and, and from hearing about their relationship over the last couple of years which has been quite fractious within the family they they have got a lot closer uh, and i think that that photograph absolutely demonstrated that perfectly i think it also sort of shows that change that you have in your sort of well the kind of age that we are at when your parents are getting older and the sort of the balance of who's looking after who changes a bit somehow and so sort of, you know yeah. william is taller than his 
dad you know he's kind of looking after him and Charles looks like he's kind of falling around a bit and it's almost like someone said to you know well Charles has said oh Kate I'm going to pretend to be you in this sort of cuddles, <laughs> cuddles up on William like that that was that was the thing that I noticed actually first off obviously you know it was, it was the height difference I forget how tall Prince William is um but seeing the two of them together almost I mean I, I remember even before I'd done any jobs with Charles I, I always assumed he was a lot taller than he is he's not he's not particularly that tall but but and William is is very very tall William's probably like 6'2 um, I've, just, I've just looked actually I've just googled it William 6'3 apparently 6'3 yeah. close good guess uh, so, um, I mean, yeah but so yeah I, I just I just loved it I thought it was to totally different that it shows the, the softer side of them. They've obviously been speaking an awful lot. Like we spoke last weekend about the dynamic between them and about how you know, William especially has led this lift and shift to the digital world and how Charles and William had been speaking quite a lot about you know how they will then take the family forward, not only in sort of a COVID world, under lockdown, not being able to get out on engagement and the two of them have really pushed this um this notion of one must be seen to be believed that the family has to be and uh and carried it off perfectly and so their relationship i think is probably as strong as ever and that probably goes you know even further back than the Sandringham summit where they were you know making all the decisions of how to take the family forward and and not only is it sort of a business part partnership that you often forget that they are father and son as well and not only are they in charge of the monarchy but they've, they've got a really really sweet relationship so a couple of questions uh, not questions comments from our instagram followers so mums at the bar says that is adorable my best vintage life podcast shout out podcast pod, fellow podcasters i don't know why but this made me emotional and princess piffler i love this picture i think that prince charles has unfortunately been outshone by diana it seems that he and his sons are pretty loving but he does not broadcast it about lovely picture humor and closeness so anyway happy birthday to prince william for the weekend um, and because it is his birthday, we're going to put a little bit more of a spotlight on some of the work that he has been doing for actually actually really quite a long time now. Um, Zoe, do you want to tell us about the interview that you did recently? Yes. So I caught up with uh, Shay O'Bakin, who is the CEO of Centrepoint, which was Prince William's, well, who Prince William is a patron of. It was actually his first patronage that he took on uh, when he was in his early 20s. Um, so he, the two have been working together over the years, you know, really closely, kind of both at public events and also behind the scenes at private visits as well. So I just had a, a quick catch up with him to find out what it's really like to work with Prince William and what the kind of, the side that we don't really get to see of him is really like. So let's have a listen to that now. Hello, yes, I am joined today by Shayi O'Bakin, who is the Chief Executive Executive Officer from Centrepoint. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hello, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Good. So the reason that we are going to have a chat today is because we want to find out um, a bit more about what you guys do. Obviously, Prince William is uh, your patron and he does lots of work with your amazing charity. So what we want to do is just kind of find out a bit more about uh, what you guys do and also his involvement and what you know his his role brings to you 
as an organization. So first off, because you can describe it a lot better than I can, can you please just tell our listeners a little bit more about what Centerpoint does? Well, Centerpoint is about helping young people, especially those who have found themselves homeless, to have a job at a home. And that means that they've beaten homelessness once and for all. In a nutshell, that's what we do. Now, we do lots of different things to help them make that happen. We give them a place of safety. We inspire them. We motivate them. We train them. We give them formal education, if that's what's needed. We look after their health, including their mental health, which a lot of young people do uh, have challenges with. And then we help them to make their way back into further education or jobs. And once they can earn money, they don't have to be homeless again. So Centerpoint is all about helping those young people who found themselves homeless to have a job at home. Okay, fantastic. And so how did Prince William become involved in, in your work and what you guys do? Well, Prince William uh, visited uh, Centerpoint and a number of other homelessness charities in London with his late mother, the Princess of Wales. So uh, he was introduced to this problem early in his life. Now, he became patron of Centerpoint in September 2005 when he was only 23 years old himself, uh, the same age as many of the young people that Centerpoint uh, supports. And that means he's been committed to this issue now for nearly 15 years. In fact, uh, Centerpoint uh, was Prince William's first patronage. And a further reflection of his commitment to the issue is that he has now also taken up patronage of the passage. Okay, but wow, so that's, that's such a long time that he's been involved in, in your work then, and he must have seen lots of changes in the organisation over that time. And it's also really lovely as well that, as you said, it's something that he had involvement in when he was a child through, mm. you know, through Diana. And how, what was it like for you guys as a charity then when you found out that he wanted to kind of follow in his mother's footsteps and to, to kind of carry on her work in raising awareness through, you know, of homelessness? We were over the moon delighted. Uh, uh, the Princess of Wales, uh, Diana, was uh, our patron for many years. And then um, we had several years after she passed on uh, when we didn't have a patron at all. So it was a great feeling for us that Prince William wanted to carry on. And I think it, it says something uh, about an incredible testament to his mother's legacy that he wanted to be patron of Centerpoint and remain involved in finding a way through homelessness. Okay, fantastic. So, so tell me a bit more. What what does a patron do? What does his role within the charity look like? Well, um, I can put that in. I would say probably three strands, actually. The first one is learning about the issue. Uh, I know that Prince William spends a lot of time doing this, and I'm certain he knows more now about homelessness than most people who don't spend all their working life dealing with it. So he, he spends a lot of time issue. He learns about it not just by reading up, but also by getting his hands Dirty, meeting people who have been affected by uh, homelessness and those that are helping them. You may recall uh, that he actually joined me 
for a night, a very cold night, I might say, of rough sleeping a few years ago. And that was part of his, his learning. That night, we had a road sweeper nearly running over our legs. I say, what a way to learn about how vulnerable rough sleepers are. So I think the first thing is that he uh, spent a lot of time learning about it. The second one is that he is an advocate for the issue. I know that he genuinely wants to end homelessness, especially youth homelessness. And he has a voice and a convening capacity that most of us will never have. And I think it is to his immense credit that he is happy to use that for the benefit of homeless people. And I, for one, am grateful that he does that. And then the third one, I would say, is challenge. In his own way, which is light touch but firm, he challenges us to do better and to do more. And then he supports us to do it. For example, three years ago, he helped to establish the Centerpoint Helpline. Uh, and that helpline is one for all homeless people, wherever they might be in the country. And then he turned up to launch it, taking the first call. And the interesting thing is that, you know, he took that first call from a young person who uh, had been sleeping rough in freezing cold temperature. And the Duke was so moved by that call that he asked to be kept informed of that young person's progress. So that's the third way in which actually he is involved. So I think it's about learning, about advocacy, uh, uh, and about challenge. Okay, and obviously another one of the big things that he does is there's the official visits that he does where he goes to the centres and kind of sees different projects that you guys are working on. Um, but there's also, he does lots of private visits as well, doesn't he? What's What's the difference between those two types of visits? What does he maybe... You know, what do you get from a private visit that maybe you don't get when obviously they come with all the cameras and the well wishes and everything else? Well, you have to remember that um, we are working with some of the most vulnerable young people uh, in the country. So, you know, a public visit with uh, flashing lights and cameras and, and so on and so forth is not the best time uh, for young people to open up. And that's what private visits can do. Private visits are when he takes time to really listen and understand what homeless people need, uh, what they're going through, what they require. And, you know, he does that in all kinds of ways. He, he comes and he uh, chats with, with, with young people uh, because at that, that's when he's able really to motivate and inspire on a one-to-one basis and then encourage young people to reach out to, you know, go for whatever or wherever their talents might take them. I mean, think about it. Imagine you are a young person and you find yourself cooking, eating, and chatting with Prince William in private. Imagine what that does for you, you know, to just to motivate you, knowing also that actually in three months' time, in six months' time, you might be asking how you're getting on. That's hugely powerful and inspiring. Uh, private visits are a time when, you know, he volunteers to, to get things done. I remember a time when, you know, he came to us, sat, volunteered to work with young people, chatted to them about their situation, reviewing their personal development plans, helping them to sort out their housing benefit claims and find permanent accommodation. That's what happens 
in a private uh, visit. Uh, and, you know, he does follow through. He must meet thousands of people every year, Prince William, and yet he has this incredible capacity to remember those he's met and ask after them several months later. Look, I can only say that we're lucky to have to have him in our corner. You know, in those private visits at times when traumatized and vulnerable people are freer in his presence. There are no cameras there. There are no journalists there. They're not worrying about whether what they say might end up in the newspapers. And Prince William has an incredible gift, talent for putting people at ease. And I have seen him chatting, I've seen young people chatting to him like old friends within minutes. I don't think many people can do that. No, that really is quite incredible, isn't it? That's such a skill to have and that you hear so much about him of lots of people saying that he's just kind of, yeah, just his kind of openness and, you know, his thing. That's fantastic. Um, mm. And so he obviously cares so much. Obviously, we, we don't see um, the um, events that you, our listeners will see in the paper, on news websites, on social media, are the um, kind of public visits. Uh, but what's he like? You know, it's obviously something that it's, he's very, very passionate about. You can see that even in the the public events he goes to, you can see he's so passionate about it. What is he like when he visits the centres as a person? So I think the most powerful thing when he visits as a person is that he can be so informal and easy to get on with. Now, if you are a young person, often what happens is um, you don't even know that he's coming anyway. Then he arrives and um, you hear Prince William is here. Uh, uh, and the first thing that can happen to you is you, you can get quite nervous. You can clam up. Um, you, you're, you're lost for words. Uh, and, you know, his own informality helps young people to break that down. And then actually, he can have great conversations with young people that are really helpful to them. I think that, I have to say, is an incredible thing that he's able you know, to do that. It must be in a private domain, in the, in the public domain already. I was at an event with him several years ago. I, I, I hesitate, this is several years ago. Uh, and he met this young person, and this young person had, uh, he knew he was, she knew he was coming, and she had completely clamped up, and she couldn't get her words out. out. Um, uh, and the, the young person is a little short, and Prince William is quite tall. Uh, uh, the prince, you know, bent down and whispered something into the ears of this young person, and it was like a floodgate. <laughs> just started talking and and couldn't stop that's you know that's that's what it's it's like um and sometimes you know young people don't even know that he's there i've had a young person while he was doing some work volunteering said to him before oh you do look like somebody famous you look like prince william <laughs> uh, and he said yeah 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 other people have said that to me before and just carry it on. <laughs> so, oh, that's yeah, brilliant. That that's the way that that's how he can so easily connect with people. It's absolutely amazing. 
Oh, fantastic. No, that sounds brilliant. And so just kind of uh, to finish off with then, and um, obviously the, the COVID pandemic has changed everyone's lives completely. How has it changed the work that the, you know, has it changed the charity's work? And also how has Prince William been involved in this? Well, you know, the, the first impact, of course, uh, that uh, COVID has had on us as a charity is funding. Uh, we are a fundraising charity. We depend a lot on the goodwill and the generosity of the public uh, and the cancellation of events uh, that might bring people together through which we raise funds uh, has been challenging for us. And, you know, without the funds, we can't really reach out to young people. So that's one uh, difficulty that we've had. The other one is actually providing safety for our staff. It's quite hard to uh, do the work we do with social distancing. That's not so easy. Having the right protective equipment to make people feel safe coming to work uh, has been a challenge for us. And it, it is a continuing challenge. And then keeping young people safe. You know, we, we have thousands of young people that we're responsible for. And through this period, we've um, worked really hard to keep them safe, to protect them from the virus, to help them when they've had to uh, self-isolate, to look after them when they have been unwell. So these have been some of the challenges that uh, we faced. Uh, and uh, the second part of your question is about how uh, the Duke has been helpful. Look, he very early on, he, the, the Prince William understood that we, we will face some of these challenges. And he's been an encouraging voice to us. He's reached out to all of our staff, for instance, to encourage them. He's reached out to young people uh, during, during this time. So um, he, he has been involved in helping to encourage and to motivate and to continue to inspire young people to uh, uh, reach out for a job and a home, even despite the pandemic. That's fantastic, and it's it's great to see that you guys have been able to carry on helping people even in these even in these awful kind of difficult circumstances. But thank you so much for having a chat with me today. Um, I really appreciate it. And um, if anyone would like to find out more about Centrepoint and the work they're doing, the website is centrepoint.org.uk, and they're also on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So there's lots of information out there you can find out and um, everything you want about what they're doing, and also uh, Prince William's role. But yeah, thank you very much for your time um, and it was lovely to chat to you. Thank you. I have to say, Zoe, I really enjoyed listening to that conversation earlier today ahead of recording. And I just think it's so nice. So often, you know, the royals are talking about the amazing work that the organisations they're supporting are doing. And actually hearing from the organisation side, getting a chance for them yeah. to you know, the work that they do, it really does make a difference. They are they are special people. And, you know, the little bits of stories, you know, Prince the, the street cleaners nearly running over Prince William's leg on the night yeah. <laughs> without sleeping rough to get that experience and and that ability to bring people into the conversation when they when they were feeling nervous about it you know that kind of the, whatever it was that he secretly whispered to someone when yeah 
it enabled them to talk and join made the all the difference exactly i think it's very easy for you know kind of us and also fans to kind of we see the public events we see them going to a charity you know dressed in a suit or you know kind of kate wearing a nice dress and just to see them say hi to people have that chat and think they just get in the car and then never think anything of it but obviously that isn't the case at all and they do have really strong relationships with these charities the majority of which we never hear about so yeah it was really interesting actually finding out a bit more about that so yes thank you very and um, thank you again very much for chatting to us Shay. it was lovely to catch up that lasting connection is something I find really fascinating as well, actually, because they meet so many, so many people and choosing who they manage to retain those ties with. As someone who was always an absolutely terrible pen pal with all of the yeah. people that I was fed <laughs> with at, at school. So every time it would start with, I'm really sorry this letter is so late. Yeah. Um, which I must, I must just say as well, apologies, we are late with our homework. Russell has definitely had a barbecue and this time is definitely going to send us a picture. I will, I will send a, a post. I will send the, I'll send the evidence. And I know last week I promised that there was an episode coming up um, about Prince Andrew interview with Nigel Cawthorn it is it is coming very soon we've just had a, a couple of other things that we need to uh, tidy up around the edges so that is coming watch this space but anyway lasting connections with um, with the people that they come across in their work and then also that dedication to some of their core charities I think we've seen again this week in the royal family's work around children's hospice week with Kate's promise to plant a sunflower for a nine-year-old boy who died you know there's, there's, there's just like things that they take into their own lives through their work yeah this this was particularly sweet actually and as you as you mentioned it is children's hospice week here in the UK um in Kate and Camilla, uh, as, as as part of the the week, they were speaking to um, representatives of children's hospices, and one of the the, the calls was with a thirteen year old called Stewie Delft. Now he's hit the headlines in recent weeks because he was running five uh, k every day last month to on well in memory of his nine year old brother Fraser, who sadly died in January at a hospice and. Little Stewie managed to raise in excess of eighteen thousand pounds, and Kate had this really lovely exchange with him. And she's, you know, she said, "Obviously, I've heard you've been doing a lot of fundraising. That's absolutely amazing." And 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 Stewie told her that it, the, 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 his inspiration behind this was because of hundred-year-old um, fundraiser Captain Sir Tom, uh, our favourite on this show. <laughs> so you know. Or, throughout this whole process of covid and lockdown there's there has been these really really heartwarming stories often unfortunately through through tragedy as well or, or certainly marred a lot of them by tragedy and she was um the two justices obviously spoke to his his parents Stuart and carol parlor rather um from uh, you know the family from from cambridgeshire and the reps from the children's hospice in us in um southwest and helen and douglas house both of which that Camilla is a patron of. Uh, and also Kate is a patron of each, which is the East Angular Children's Hospices, which she, um, I imagine, you know, she, she's done an awful lot of things with in the future. Um, and she said to Stewie that she would plant a sunflower in memory of his brother. And I think that sometimes it's these small random acts of kindness that certainly Kate has been speaking about recently. We had the assembly that she did last week with the, the children online. And, and one of the focuses of that was was kindness and, and maybe what we can do to take a step back 
once we're sort of emerging from this crisis at the moment, but but also think about the things that have have been um, you know important to us since since we've uh, since we haven't been living in a normal world. One thing I particularly liked about that video actually was Camilla, who seemed she seemed really sort of comfortable and at ease in that conversation, and the way she talked actually really honestly about how she was a little bit worried about going to visit a children's hospice for the first time and how, you know, anticipating what the sort of experience like would be going there. You know, obviously it's a very, there are children there who are, who are dying or seriously ill and you would expect it to, you know, you would expect it to be a very difficult place to be, but essentially she went there and found that the warmth and the care and the love that is shown actually made it a really inspirational place really and you could see how much the work that these organizations do means well you remember you remember a couple of few weeks ago i was speaking about sophie's work she's patron of the shooting star children's hospice which which again very sadly was having to um, think about alternative ways of fundraising, which again, a lot of these hospices and charities all over the country uh, are having to do because of the effects of COVID, because of the effects of shutting down things like the London Marathon, which is a massive fundraising event for for these charities. Um, and the the tireless work of people who work for these charities to make sure that they are safe comfortable welcoming environments for all not only the you know the children um who are staying there but also their families um must not be underestimated and, and the fact that they have had to keep on going even when the country and the world has come to a standstill um so i i think we will see a lot more of the royals doing some doing things like this whether it's highlighting charity appeals or getting getting to go to hospices or you know places where um which really really need the attention and and, and to have a light sh sh shone upon the work that they're doing because now they need our support more than ever so just a quick mention for camilla and a shout out for her and if you are listening to this before saturday the what will it be 20 20th of june something around there what day it is what month it is we've 20 24th no. i was gonna say i think you're, I think you're... <laughs> oh yeah that was last week anyway <laughs> So the last, the last Saturday in June, uh, Camilla is talking about domestic violence, which we know is something that um, is a particular focus for her and has been sort of in recent months for the Women of the World Festival, which has got like Julia Gillard and various other interesting people talking at it. And um, there's also Sophie Wessex last week. She, she delivered a speech to the UN around... Um, issues related to women as well so shout out to those two ladies putting important focus on interesting and difficult issues so also back to coronavirus sort of we're sort of kind of coming out into a little bit of real life and we know when we can go to the pub which is very Hurrah! exciting <laughs> we probably won't be going to the pub together because we all live in pretty much opposite corners of London we are aren't we we are all sort of spread about north very, south east yeah. west yeah. very yeah, impractical but you know last week last week this week oh dear Time, space time continuum it's me that's struggling Adi, you're, yeah, you're struggling with your days here Too aren't you? <laughs> have you have you been to the pub already yeah, uh, yeah oh, you should, you've got a secret only. lock in somewhere oh you're getting your revenge <laughs> anyway last week I'm pretty sure it was last week to highlight that you know everything was going back to work and change we saw William and Kate out at the shops 
Yes. Oh, this, this is, is really this is, lovely. We, we are emerging from a lockdown COVID world. And this is why, you know, some people say, why do we have the royal family? And it's, um, and it's instances like this, not only going to, you know, hospices or raising profile of charities, but it's actually to get messages across. And this is particularly important. Now, obviously the Cambridges are still in, uh, in Norfolk. They've chosen not to, to send the kids, especially, well, Charlotte, who, whose class has, uh, has gone back. They are going to stay in Norfolk for, for the foreseeable future. And as part of that, they have been getting out, visiting local businesses, uh, and trying to raise the profile of the fact that local shops are open and they definitely need our custom um, because furlough schemes are going to end, shops need the business, they need to, they need to try and have a really, really good summer. And uh, and and it's often the local shops um, that, that, that need the help. And, and certainly people's shopping habits have changed, but potentially people have been doing uh, more online whilst they've been uh, locked down. But... Um, now it's all about trying to get the business, the high streets packed. And William was popping into a bakery, and uh, and Kate was popping into a garden centre. And we saw like quite a, you know two really nice interactions on the both jobs. William was sort of speaking about um, you know trade and about opening up high streets and supporting local businesses. He was buying a few chocolate croissants for his kids. Pano chocolat. I know chocolat. Uh, <laughs> and so he would be in uh, in deep trouble if he didn't come back with enough. He, although, what did he? Yeah, he couldn't get enough, so he had to buy. How I many? There's three. There's five of them, isn't there? So he bought four pan of chocolate and one normal. Yeah, I, I, I wonder, wonder who, who got, got the short straw. I yeah, I've got to start with the boring one. <laughs> <laughs> but then, um, and, and then Kate was at a garden centre and. You know, she was speaking about, which I think we've seen a lot more, and she's been quite open about, the, you know, things that they've been doing with the kids, whether it's building dens or the challenges of homeschooling. And she said that the children love planting, they love coming to the garden centres. And I think, you know, obviously it w lockdown would have been a struggle for, for a lot of families, and, and they have recognised those struggles when speaking to families and people with shielding or teachers, um, especially people with homeschooling. But I think hopefully for, for certain families, it will have brought them closer together. And I think the Cambridges have demonstrated that, that by maybe not necessarily worrying about the schooling too much, but concentrating on things that you can do, like getting out, building dens, going for walks, uh, you know, planting, going to garden centres. So hopefully um, others will have had a positive experience. And and Kate was full of praise for sort of the economy getting going as well. And um, and just the central message of get out there, support your local shops and support your local businesses. So are you a bakery girl or a garden centre girl? Oh, bakery, me for me, always bakery. My housemate is a huge fan of gardening. So our house is filled with house plants that I just don't touch for fear of, I think I'll probably kill them all immediately. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> we've, we've, as soon as the bakery's opened, like this time, I, I did go down there and buy one. It was lovely. <laughs> Went back and bought cakes again. Um, but one of the things that I really liked about this visit, which was something that I found quite relatable, is when William got his bank card out to pay and did, you know, contactless payments as we're all being asked to do but he had the same kind of he said he had the same panic of like well, I hope it still works because I haven't actually used like a real card I've been you know doing everything ordering online but I haven't actually done a payment but it did go through because that would have been fun I it... think some people were even surprised that you, you know sometimes you don't think that they do 
shopping but or that have yeah. cards or how they pay for things certainly I've always laughed at I remember seeing a video I can't can't exactly where I remember it is off the top of my head but it was on the documentary and Charles was walking through a market in somewhere like Papua New Guinea and he was just saying you know can I buy that can I buy that can I buy that and not yeah. any money on him and yeah. sometimes you know we we do often think that they don't buy things themselves but Kate's pretty good at that she has she has um, gone to the shops even that she'd said that when you know she'd been out to the shops she, she felt that people's attitudes had changed and that they are sort of scared of that interaction and they keep their head down I suppose when when she's out and about people probably notice her fairly regularly uh, and then sort of starstruck a little bit but um, there were people in the garden centre who sort of walked past her and didn't bat an eyelid so (laughs) so excited to get some plants again that they're just complete focus on things are are very very (laughs) our garden centre was very long when it reopened the other week so, yeah, yeah, I can it's imagine. Exciting time. Exciting time. <laughs> and the other quote, really quickly, that I really liked was that William said, kind of another insight um, of what they've been doing in lockdown. But William said that the kids had been attacking the kitchen <laughs> in terms of laughing, which just gave me a great image of like, you know, every flower on every surface, complete yeah. chaos with three kids at that age who desperately wanted to get involved and stir and do things. That sounds oh, like a lot of fun. The rounds well, not fun if you're doing it. Not a fun if yeah. you're clearing up. I guess. Or a nightmare. The round yeah. of who gets to lick the bowl when the three yeah, that was share it, the wasn't spoon. It? <laughs> oh, and there's a message from the Queen as well, um, the last line of which I'll share, which was, I wish all businesses every success in their endeavours in the weeks and months ahead. And hear, hear to that. Um, Harry and Meghan, they've sent a little letter to one of the organisations that they've, um, they've been following, Street Games, which helps young people in disadvantaged areas. Um, but it wasn't necessarily just the letter itself that, that caught the eye and their sort of support for, um, support for their works. I think there were some people commenting that they were still using their, their official, I don't know, what's it called? Crest monogram? It's still got well, the thing the is the monogram, but using the the crown at the top of it, which has obviously been quite controversial. And and I see today there's a story knocking around that they are um, they are suing a picture agency, uh, which snapped pictures of Meghan walking with Archie. You remember the pictures where she's walking down the woods with the uh, protection officers behind her? Um, you know, it's quite a, a big thing at the time because whether she knew about the photographers who were in in uh in in the park or sort of woodland where she was photographed whilst they were in canada is that those first pictures that we saw where she had archie in the baby carrier yeah so these these pictures they were taken by um uh, an agency and now it has emerged that the uh the duchess of sussex is um is uh, is suing the agency now the, is- the issue here is that it's not necessarily her suing the agency it's actually the High Court writ as claims that the snaps that were taken in Canada have breached Archie's privacy. Now, th- this will be very, very interesting because not only could you not see Archie in the photographs, I think everybody remembered them. He was sort of in the baby papoose or baby carrier, front end baby carrier. She had the two dogs. She's staring directly into the camera and smiling. Now, that could have been a coincidence. I think a lot of people at this time thought that or would be forgiven for thinking that she knew the photographers were there they saying they weren't they were you know they were hiding in plain sight um so so i don't know how this will go that the the, the agency is saying that they will vehemently did, you know dispute these claims but the high court writ claims that archie's in quotes private information was misused and um 
these were taken in in a, in a park in Vancouver Island in January. But most interesting, I think, on top of the the monogram, the crown thing, is the High Court writ, uh, which has been filed by their their uh, very expensive lawyers, is, is has been brought in the names of Master 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 Archie Harrison Mountbatten Windsor and the Duchess of Sussex H R H. Now this may not be a problem for you know uh, in terms of filing the writ but i think a lot of people have an issue with it because they've been told they can't use their hr rates they've been told they shouldn't or they agreed that they wouldn't be using it so why now is it in these documents now it, i don't know specifically but it may be um you know it might it might be just a style or a title thing and and, and certainly they are still hrhs and you arguably you could say that it relates to uh, private business ventures however i think this will ruffle a few feathers, not only because the actual way that the pictures looked, you know, I, 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 I'd be very, very interested to see um, what the what the result is. And they've got a few other things to untangle as well with their initial trademark bid on Archwell being knocked back as well. So they've got to get a bit more definition around that. Well, it does. It seems like they haven't done the due diligence on a lot of things here. And the Archwell thing is 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 particularly interesting as well because. They had obviously filed a lot of trademarks, over 100 trademarks to do with Sussex Royal. Um, and obviously that had to be scrapped. And now they're, they're trying to do the same with Archwell, which is which is purely reasonable. It's, it's down to licensing, protecting the brand or indeed the, uh, the intellectual property of the, of, of the charity. Um, but, you know, they've had a lot of time on their hands and, and you would think that they would be crossing the T's and dotting it all the I's on that. And the, uh, the commissioner's office in the States has said that the, uh, the paperwork wasn't up to scratch. So I think they've got until some date in August to, uh, to, get, it, to get it sorted. Um, but, yeah, it just seems that, I mean, I've spoken about this before, that they had huge plans. They were going to uh, try and hit the ground running. And, and essentially, they're, they're, all those plans are up in smoke. Now, it's debatable whether they will actually diversify their... Um, you know what they want to do whether they will now diversify their attention to the black Lives matter movement to to do more with with climate change and to other groups who um who they may not have thought about working with previously um but who knows when we're going to see them um so i suppose watch this space right yeah and there's another mention for prince harry over the weekend um on something which in some ways seems frivolous but at the same time is also really important which is the so the england He's a huge England rugby fan. And, and the patron. And the patron. And uh, the RFU have said that England's sort of... The, the song that is most associated with the England rugby team is Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. But obviously, in the light of all of the Black Lives Matter um, aware, awareness raising, the origins of that song have become more in focus. It was written in the mid 19th century by Wallace Willis, who was a black American slave. So that, that is all being reviewed and Harry is sort of supporting that that song should no longer be sung. However, this is where the kind of origins and things moving on, it's just, it's all really interesting. I never knew why England rugby fans started singing that song. And it's because of a player called Martin Afire, who was yes. really, really quick. Yeah. They called him Chariots Afire. Chariots, Chariots Afire, Martin Afire, yeah. That's the classic thing that 
sports fans do they just make a funny name for people and then they find something that that goes with it and he's he says so martin afire is um is a, a tremendous rugby player played rugby union and rugby league i think black winger super fast just like awesome i used to watch him a lot when i was growing up on the telly and he was like one of my favorites because he was so quick and scored so many tries but he's just like you know I, he's not in favor of the ban so it's it, 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 we've talked about it a little bit previously on the show those kind of cultural questions that we've got at the moment of reviewing reviewing how things are and do we keep things as they are or do we change them and and i know it's i think it's listen it's, it's up for debate isn't it the rfu of which harry is is, is patron the rugby football union has has obviously said that that a lot of conversations around the Black Lives Matter movement, race, uh, the his, his, Britain's history essentially of uh, and it, and its uh, and its role in the slave trade needs to be examined, and and I think that nobody would would dispute that. However, when it, it's, it is um, it, you know being di- 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 discussed of coming into the sporting arena, as we have seen with the football coming back this week with. A lot of the players taking the knee before the games. None of their shirts have got their names on anymore or until the end of the season. They've got Black Lives Matter and the NHS badges. So, you know, we're already crossing the political divide. But I think on that sense, it's a a human rights issue. And and I think that it it becomes part of the conversation that is right for it to be made. I mean, it's, it's quite strong that Martin Afire didn't, didn't want it banned, but I think that the RFU are saying that there needs to be sensible conversations around it, and while they wouldn't strike an out, outright ban, they want to educate um, the fans around singing those particular lyrics. Now, Boris Johnson has said most people don't know the words apart from the, essentially the chorus, um, but again, that, and so therefore he wouldn't support a ban, but, but I think that that then supports the notion of education and people should actually if you're going to sing something or or to have um you know an affiliation with something like that then you really need to understand the the the, the traditional context that it's um that it's from um so yeah i mean it's 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 just a political issue isn't it harry's getting slammed on both sides for 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 saying whether he should have um had an opinion on it but it's it's something that is is being widely discussed and it's good that the discussions are happening let's face it and i think of course yeah the uh the players taking the knee at the start of the games and the match officials as well i think it's actually been after the whistle has been blown so it has been even more sort of a demonstration of of um it's had even more togetherness yeah impact and togetherness but the issue and the the problems that we do still have to face and work through and awareness that actually there is a long way to go is you know there was one of the matches this week where someone had hired a plane to fly over at the same time with a message of white lives matter and that is the you know there is this kind of there are people who don't understand why this is an issue and that's why these conversations need to keep happening so that people do understand the kind of the full impact and the background and the we have to we have to work on on understanding and, and making making the world a better place for everyone i think is something that we can all hope for yeah. um so you mentioned as well russell when we were when we were looking ahead to this that prince charles had delivered a message um for windrush day 
Yeah, I mean, this is, is Prince Charles has been busy actually. I mean, he's he's he made a, a very very emotional speech about Windrush Day, uh, and Windrush Day was on Tuesday uh, in the UK, um, and it's paying tribute to the generation um, of uh, Black Caribbean British people that came well answered the call to come to Britain after after the Second World War and rebuild the country. And, and Charles quite rightly praised, uh, and I'm quoting him, for their profound and permanent contribution to British life. You know, he was speaking about the depth of depth of gratitude the nation owes them and their families, not only the, the people who came over um, on on uh, you know, to Britain at the time, but also the, the people that came after them as well and paved the way for a lot of African and, and uh, Afro-Caribbean individuals to, to come and contribute to British life. Um, in, you know, in this video, Charles was, I think, urge, kind of urging us to, to open our minds, open our ears, to listen to other people's stories and really learn from what one another has to say. And I think that really um, falls into the category of, of the Black Lives Matter movement and, and educating yourself and maybe listening to ideals and ideas that you, you, you haven't discussed before. Um, and, and only if you do that will you be able to have informed um, or be able to make informed decisions of 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 of, the, of you know I'm trying to say of 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 ideas that you've had in the past, I suppose. So yeah, thanks for bringing us up to date on that one. Um, one last thing to share probably is so Princess Eugenie had two important messages to share on uh, on Father's Day and I think that the video that she shared Zoe was kind of particularly oh, it was so lovely wasn't it it was really really nice really, really happy news actually and um, so her father-in-law Jack's dad George has been in hospital battling Covid for nine weeks now uh, five of those weeks he's actually on a ventilator so he's been very very poorly but he is now back home which is lovely uh, she shared uh, two lovely photos of him returning to the house, kind of still with nurses, uh, still looking, you know, like like he's a bit on the mend, but back home with his family, which is really lovely. Um, and then she also shared a message thanking all um, health workers for everything they've done to to get him better. Really, she says that he's he's calling himself the miracle man, which I thought is very, you know, very right to have overcome this you know to overcome covid and um, so yeah it was a really emotional message but really lovely actually and really nice that they've had some some good news and they finally got him home again well it was certainly better news than the other yorks have, have been happening and we were speaking about this you know before we came on uh the the the, the constant toing and throwing in the war of words between uh, the u.s state prosecutors and andrews Andrew's people, and that's uh, that's de developed again this this week. So, what's the latest on that? Well, essentially, you know, Jeffrey Berman, who's the, the guy who's uh, the U.S. Um, uh, New York state state prosecutor, who's been very very vocal. He's the guy who has stood on the steps of Jeffrey Epstein's mansion, um, saying that they had had zero cooperation from Prince Andrew. Um, you know, obviously, Prince Andrew has not only denied all the uh, the allegations that are put um, against him, but he's also said that he's offered to cooperate on no less than three occasions with the authorities in the States. Anyway, it's, it's not only become sort of an international 
issue of of this Mexican standoff between the state prosecutors and and Andrew's team, but um, it's it's becoming quite uh, an issue in the states now. Andrew's team had had, had been saying you know, publicly and privately that. Um, they believe that this uh, Jeffrey Berman was using this as an excuse to, to create some sort of theatre around uh, around the the investigation that had been ongoing for the best part of sixteen years and and, and had failed in, in an awful lot of quarters. However, Jeffrey Berman, um, it was announced that he would then be stepping back last Friday, and that he it was essentially being taken off the case. And then he released a statement saying that it was news to him. And, uh, and that he would be staying with the investigation. Now, embarrassingly for him, um, he was then unceremoniously stripped of his, his role by the US Attorney General, William Barr, um, who claims that he went directly to Donald Trump to remove Jeffrey Berman from his post, which Trump then agreed with. Now, the reason why this is um, so interesting is because Jeffrey Berman has been investigating uh, a lot of Trump's associates to do with his business dealings over the last few years and then whether Trump had an axe to grind. Now, Trump claims that he didn't and he was only taking advice from his attorney general. But um, this, is a, this is a situation that's going to keep on, keep on go rumbling on, I'm afraid. And yeah. whilst the Duke of York is saying that he, has, uh, he wants to cooperate, he, um, he, also, uh, he also stands... stands um, charge of, of whether he's actually going to have to make a statement at some stage. Eugenie did share some nice pictures on her Instagram to say uh, happy Father's Day to my father and father-in-law and to all fathers celebrating today and every day kiss kiss and a kiss emoji but then there was kind of a the fairly inevitable response that you would expect to get in the messages given the uh, the situation that her father is currently in. Well it's been lovely to see you both. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, and Zoe, thanks again for doing that interview with Centerpoint. It was a really fascinating insight. You can find us on Instagram at Podsave. We're on Twitter as well. And we will be back next week with the latest with the Royals. But until next time. Podsave the Queen!